0: This week, Nancy and I are discussing an article that was written by Tanya Bornman for Horse and People magazine, which is an Australian publication. And Tanya researched 16 different articles to put together this, um, or 16 different research papers, I should say, to put together this article, which is called Can Bedding Improve Your Horse's Performance? This is really insightful look into are we really providing the correct environment for our horses to get optimum sleep and tanya's done a great job of putting this together in a way that it's just the information you need very straightforward but does kind of make you question your practices that you might be currently doing so i think the first thing to try and cover is how important sleep is and what sleep is for our horses so in mammals we've got four stages of sleep we've got our non-rapid eye movement n-r-e-m um, and that consists of the first three uh, phases and then the final one which you're going to have heard of the most often is the rapid eye movement or the r-e-m rem sleep phase and that gets thrown around a lot and um, when it comes to people and i think even since COVID I mean I remember in the beginning that word just seemed to be out there the whole time do you remember Nancy people talking about like COVID dreams when we first went into lockdowns yes
1: yeah they were it was like uh almost the fatigue factor of COVID affected their
0: sleep yeah and this REM stage is characterized by complete muscle relaxation. So for this to occur in horses, they really do need to be lying down. I believe the author said there are occurrences where it can happen in horses standing, but the horse's body becomes so relaxed that often their neck drops down and their muzzle will hit the floor and that will rewaken them. Um, or they may actually fall over, even though that's less likely to happen because horses have their standing apparatus built into their legs. But to reach that complete relaxation phase, ideally, they need to be lying down. And to do that, they need to be comfortable. You know, horses aren't going to lie in an uncomfortable stable. So things like having proper bedding, having it clean, having it dry. One of the studies, which I thought was really interesting, showed that horses won't lie in wet bedding. As long as they wouldn't dry, which would seem logical. But I always thought horses lie down in wet fields, or maybe they don't as often. I think,
1: too, with in a stall, that wetness may come from urine. And I one time had come across a horse at a boarding barn that the stall was not cleaned properly and there was not enough bedding, and he had urine burns. From down, and that was very uncomfortable for him. And they ended up moving him to a larger, uh, more well ventilated stall. But I think there's a difference between the wet fields and the wet stall when it's um, a captive situation. But, you know, so oftentimes when we have performance horses, we're always rethinking nutrition and training and conditioning and their health, but we forget about sleep as being uh, the foundation of all
0: those things. Yeah, the needs the body has to sleep to recover. You know, We can't possibly give our muscles that break, give our brain, you have to be in REM sleep. They've done a study now for your brain to flush out um, essentially you can consider it toxins but for your brain to properly flush out and to kind of restart itself you need to enter REM and if you're not getting enough hours in REM sleep then your brain you start to get like constant fatigue brain fogginess like as a person your um, decision making starts to become more poor so it really is crucial and in our horses they need to sleep between three to five hours daily, um, which I was like, oh my gosh, if I was a horse, I feel like I'd be sleeping 14 hours a day. <laughs> I know. Three to they- five does not seem like a lot.
1: No, and their average is three and a half hours. So even that sounds like such a small amount of sleep. And then I think the REM sleep, was only 30 minutes in a 24-hour period, which seems like, you know, not that much. And then the uh, non-REM or slow-wave sleep, they did 65% of the time. And then light sleep is, of course, 20% of the time. So your REM is very little. But, boy, if they don't get it, um, you'll see you will really – see more the collapses occurring. And um, health wise, there was a whole um, bunch of issues that could crop up. And one of them is they finally just collapse, which they can get injured from uh, getting to that point. They used to think horses could have narcolepsy. But since they have found out via research that there isn't narcolepsy or at least proof of it in horses. It's when they have uh, sleep deprivation of the rapid eye
0: movement sleep. And then their bodies just eventually get to a point of exhaustion and give in.
1: Yeah, um, I thought it was, uh, you know, the bedding was four to six inches deep is what the research said they required. I don't think I do that much. I do have the rubber mats under the bedding. However, it also uncovered in this that that's not necessarily so good either. So um, you want to have a deeper bedded stall than what than just covering the mat. And that was that was new for me because I always thought the mats kind of took up from where the bedding left off.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting that it said irrespective of how thick the rubber mat is. So, you know, even if you have layered your rubber mats, it doesn't make a difference. It's the actual depth of the bedding that provides the comfort. So they said four to six inches, even if you're using rubber mats. And the type of bedding too, like we found that the horses preferred straw bedding Over shavings or pellets. And one of the studies showed that wood shavings, the horses spent even less time in lateral recumbency where wood shavings were used. Yeah, I
1: felt, I feel bad about that. A lot of times we don't have access to straw bedding and it's getting less and less where farmers produce it and uh, sometimes I think straw bales are likely to have mold in them so I do use the shavings now um, they did say if you use shavings and you do put your waste on your fields which you can do that during the non-growing part of the season um, it you either have to add nitrogen because those wood shavings deplete your soil of nitrogen or if you have clover clover always is a nitrogen replenisher in pastures so that was one reason why at least in our part of the world we want to use more straw than wood shavings Is because straw biodegrades easier in the fields and doesn't leach nitrogen from the soil. But unfortunately, that's getting few and far between having access to straw as a bedding um, type.
0: I think practicality wise as well, you know, to store straw for bedding out an entire barn is a huge amount of space required. You know, you can, shavings can be. Packaged and suctioned down much smaller. And often when you get a bag of shavings, like that might expand to 60% of its size yeah. or even 80% in some cases, whereas straw, you know, you're having to get these big bales and you have to have somewhere to store it then. Um, but it is worth noting that it was the preference. So if it is possible, then and as well, it also provides a little bit of browsing for horses. So you know, they can chew on a bit of the straw as well.
1: Yep. And uh, also the quality of your bedding, whether it's straw or shavings, of course, less dusty is better. Mm-hmm. So if you find a a brand that you find is more flaky, that's preferably what you should choose because even the dust and, and the mold and straw that can cause breathing problems over time in your horses.
0: And ensuring you have correct ventilation. And I know we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it's so important. You have to have a cleanliness or hygiene kind of system in place, correct drainage, clean it out. The smell of ammonia, and we know horses smell so much better than humans. I mean, we talked about how they can smell fear in our sweat. (laughs) So yeah, you have to make sure you're getting that cleaned out. And I suppose that ties through as well to why they're not going to want to lie down in a wet stall. The smell of ammonia is going to be quite strong to them. So
1: do do you remember Kate, when we were in class at Edinburgh, um, they played a video of a horse collapsing um, when that when it was a mare, she didn't get proper sleep. And it was because the owners relocated her to a new barn where she was not comfortable. And I don't know if it was a light source keeping her awake or noise or the stall size, or even maybe um, some kind of pain or discomfort, but she would not lie down. And do you remember that video? I If you Google it. I bet it's on YouTube because she would be dozing off and just collapse onto the ground, which then woke her up. And um, I thought it was interesting that they stated that when you relocate your horse to a new barn, you've got to give it time to acclimate and be aware that there may be some sleep issues until that horse feels safe enough to lie down and actually rest.
0: Did they have tips, Nancy? I can't remember back on how to acclimate a horse if you're moving stalls. Because I know things like if you can bring, you know, feeders or buckets, things that are similar and create a similar routine. Um, And be, if you're putting your horse into boarding, you know, be as specific as possible. Good places are gonna want to know everything, everything you do and like what your horse is used to because they're going to want to try and create that as soon as possible but I always think like with animals like small animals we would suggest a blanket or something that has a scent so I don't know like if there's anything other than just you know maybe their feeding buckets or what you could really do to try and acclimate a horse sooner
1: yeah, I I know for sure. Um, according to that physiology class we took, light source was a big deal. They they need it dark and they need it quiet. And then if they're new to the herd or to the uh, horses in surrounding stalls. Um, have those bars where they're able to kind of meet one another and not feel isolated because mm-hmm. in those isolated stalls, they did not feel um, good enough or good about lying down and being vulnerable. So I think it's comfort, uh, a nice stall size, a darkness, a quiet. Um, and making sure that they're um, not in any pain or discomfort because a lot of them maybe have arthritis and can't actually lie down or get up easier. So then you want to go with your deeper bedding to make sure they're comfortable.
0: And it's worth noting as well that the article mentions tie or standing stalls. And these are very much outdated in a lot of countries um, and banned in some countries due to welfare issues. But there are some barn owners that still house horses in standing stalls. Um, And it did say as well, in this case, I mean, that's spatial restriction. So like you said, Nancy, having enough space helps that horse acclimatize. And we've talked before about how much space they need to get up and down and to roll. But this restriction is really going to impede the chance that horse has at um, being able to reach that OEM stage.
1: Yeah. And, you know, remember when we talked about trailering a couple or a few episodes ago, um, we talked about for performance during trailering, the horses don't get to lie down and rest like they should. So when we're talking about enhancing performance and, you know, without the use of drugs, of course, I mean, we want horses to be at their optimum to do their job. You've got to maybe work around their sleep schedule as well as their training schedule. And sometimes... You know, I didn't do that. We would trailer at night. So in the cool of the of the summer. And, you know, I might still do that, but I would still maybe during the daytime before leaving, make sure the barn was quiet and everything was uh, finished, no busy work going on so the horses could rest before their trip. Little things like that, I probably would think, uh, and be more detailed about that.
0: And I know I've mentioned this before, but I actually am in love with this product (laughs) and (laughs) remedy it's on, it works even on people. So I really recommend it, but it's just a natural herbal spray that is relaxing to all mammals, people, dogs, cats, horses, even works on birds. So highly recommend. I mean, you can get it on Amazon for, pretty cheap I think you can get a big bottle for like 15 euro something like that and it lasts ages but it's you can spray it on your hands and you can massage the horse and it has such an amazing effect on just the scent calming them down and it works in the brain I mean I'm not gonna you know go into full marketing mode <laughs> It, but you can look it up and I've used it in practice and I really I just think it's a great addition. Especially if you've horses that do get a little bit stressy trailering and even the horses that don't show that they're stressed out, I mean they're gonna have some degree of that when they're traveling too. So yeah. worth having.
1: I don't know if that's available in our country or not, but we'll have oh, no. yeah, I just Googled it on um Amazon. And I don't see it, but if it is available, I'll put a link on our homepage, but I've never heard of it. So it might be something that you have in Ireland that, that we don't have.
0: Yeah, so it's for- definitely, you can get it in the UK as well, but maybe you're right. It might be a UK company. Um, I, I mean, this product that's in it is Valerian. And that is known to have a calming effect. So I suppose you might be able to find a herbal pet-safe spray. Just make sure it's pet-safe and yeah. um, it has valerian extract that would do something similar. I know it's incredible. I know, I know I have heard of mare um, supplements
1: that have valerian root in them for a calming effect as well i've never used used anything like that but uh i'll definitely check into the scent products but um as, if you're in thoroughbred racing maybe hold off cuz you don't want to have a a bad test you know yes. or, don't, don't take the risk, risk. Yeah. don't take the <laughs> risk you know our, our what olympic runner had a bad test. And she said it was because of a burrito she ate. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know you have to be careful everything you you take in you don't want it to test positive,
0: you know. Yeah. But anyway, seems apparently as well. But I know that. too. <laughs> but, but the take home message from this article is that even though all bedding types, you know, aren't created equal. So we know there are some that are superior to others, you can't go wrong with adding a little more. So consider are you giving that four to six inches of depth? And if not, can you can you build up to that?
1: Yeah. That sounds good. And um, I'm definitely, am going to try to add a little more than than what I do. So, well, this was a good one. You don't hear much about enhancing performance by uh, deepening their bedding. And there you go. It's 16 pages of research. We will put a link to the homepage and uh, we thank everybody for listening in. And we'll
0: talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Take care.